Well, all right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Jude. Jude is the second to the last book in your Bible. It's just before the book of Revelation. Book of Jude. Just one chapter, and we're going to read just a few verses. We're going to start in verse 16, and we'll go on down through verse 21. Jude, verses 16 through 21. As soon as you find Jude, I ask you to stand, if you would, as we honor the Word of God. Jude, verse 16 through 21. In verse 16, it says, There are, there are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration, because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that, th how, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the word of God as it goes forth, and we pray, Father, that our, our hearts would be open to your book. Lord, as you speak to our hearts, may we pay attention. As you speak to our hearts, may we see the things that possibly we need to pay attention to in our own lives. God, we are for sure definitely living in those last days that the book of Jude speaks about. And God, uh, we pray that you'd help us to be vigilant, be diligent in our testimony and our witness. We ask God that you would encourage us and, and exhort us this morning through your word as you speak to our hearts. Help us to respond properly to you and do what you tell us to do, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Book of Jude is a last days epistle. And I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind who knows the Bible and knows the, the times that uh, we are definitely living in the last days. And uh, in fact, those first two verses that we read, really, uh, particularly the first verse, verse 16, is, is a description of where we're living today and what's going on, uh, not just in America, but honestly, it's going on all over the world. And, and uh, the wicked are not idle. If you look in verse 16, it says, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. In other words, they're, they're, they're doing the work that evil, wicked people do. You go down to verse 18. It says, how that they uh, told you there should be mockers in the last time uh, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. And we've obviously got that going on today. Uh, we've got folks that are denying that there is a God, and they're very, very vocal uh, with it. Uh, you have folks that are following their lusts and they're very vocal with it. It, it. Shame is gone right out the window. Not just in America. Again, it's gone out the window right across, 
across the, the borders and around the world. And uh, uh, the, the wicked are, are, are not, uh, not ashamed anymore of their own wickedness. You look down at verse 19. It says, these be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. Now, they are busy. And, and as the days get closer and closer to the time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for his own, you're going to find that they're going to get more and more busy and they're going to get more and more overt and more and more forward in their, in their uh, approach. Because of that, it is so important for us that we uh, understand what our priorities need to be, what our responsibilities need to be during this time. What I'm preaching on this morning is, is uh, uh, top priorities in the, in the last days. What are some things that God says that we ought to attend to, that we ought to be careful of in our own lives because of the time that we're living in? And by the way, let me just say this. Um, this is a wonderful time to live. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, people say, oh, this is the last days. No, oh, this is the last. You realize you could be the last generation just before Jesus Christ comes and he gets his own, the tribulation starts, and then eventually at the end of that seven years, you have the, the millennium and so forth. You could be it. I could be it. We could be the very last generation that has the privilege of telling this old wicked world about the Lord Jesus Christ and how that they can be saved from their sin. That is a, that's not a burden, that's a privilege. That's a privilege. And uh, it's a blessing to, to know that that could be the possibility. And that's, honestly, that's what we're hoping for. There's not, there's not a person in here, if you're saved this morning, not a person in here wants to die. I'd rather, I'd rather go to heaven just by be, being taken up. And all God's people said, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be better? Uh, you, know, the, you know, wasting away on a deathbed, that's not my idea of fun and a good time. But, uh, but taken up, uh, you know, what uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. That means he just comes and just takes us right out of this body. I was, I was talking just this last week with somebody about the fact that uh, I have uh, back, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I had back surgery. So I've got, I've got a uh, metal rod that goes up and down my back uh, that, uh, that uh, holds and supports some vertebrae and so forth. And then I had, uh, back a year ago, January, I had, had my, my left knee worked, or excuse me, my right knee worked on, and I got an artificial knee there, and that's, that's made out of metal and so forth. And then I got, I got an artificial knee on my, on, my, on my left knee. So when the rapture takes place, and I hope it takes place before I, before I croak, before I die, why? Because when I go, you're going to know, because you're going to hear a clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> There's three things that are going to fall to the ground as a result. Uh, you know, uh, I, 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 hope, I hope we are that generation. I'm, I am convinced that some of you are. Maybe some of our, uh, us older ones uh, may not be, but uh, some of you younger ones definitely will be. Well, because of that, there's, there's responsibility that goes with that generation just before Jesus comes. And there are four things that he talks about, and we see these four things 
in, in just in two short verses, uh, verse 20 and verse 21. He says, but, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of, your, of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. First thing that he talks about, very, very, very important thing, and that's why it's at the top of the list, is building up yourselves in your most holy faith. In other words, being strong and, and, and gaining strength and increasing in faith is a responsibility that we have in these last days. Keep your finger here and go with me to Colossians chapter 2. It's our responsibility to not just have faith, but to grow in faith. Colossians chapter 2, and look down with me in verses 6 and 7. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walking in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, what that's, that says is, is simple. God, God says that, uh, uh, that our, as, as we receive Christ, that's how we're supposed to walk in him. How, how did you receive Christ? You trusted him. You, 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 you put your faith and your trust in him. Before you got saved, you were heading for hell. Uh, your sins were not forgiven. Uh, after a person trusts Christ as Savior, their sins are forgiven. And the thing that, that causes them to go from darkness to light and from unforgiven to forgiven is their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We come to the realization that we're, we're lost without, without God, that uh, because of our sin, we're heading for hell for all eternity. And the only way that we can go to heaven is by repenting of our sin and believing on Christ and believing on him and him alone as our Savior and trusting him to forgive us of all of our sins and to give us eternal life. Not trusting ourselves, not trusting anything we can do, but trusting everything that he has already done for us. And when a person does that, uh, they, they, they go from darkness to light and they, they, they trust Christ as Savior and they have that forgiveness of sins. Well, the Bible says, as we received Christ, so walk in him. And as we walk in him by faith, we're rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, notice that one of the things that goes hand in hand with faith is a thankful heart. I, I, I have noticed, I've seen this in my own life, I've seen this in the life of, uh, lives of others. Uh, when the thankfulness is there, the faith is growing. When the thankfulness is absent, the faith begins to dwindle. Uh, faithfulness and thankfulness go hand in hand. The more thankful we are to God, the, the more it seems that our faith grows and we put our faith and our trust in him. Gratitude, a gratitude attitude is a, is a faith builder. And complaining and griping tears down faith. You see that so, so vividly uh, in the Old Testament in the 40-year wanderings of Israel. When 
after they left Egypt and they spent the, those 40 years in the wilderness, that, they were characterized by complaining, griping, uh, you know, just mulligrubbing all the time. And because of that, you look at that generation, and that generation was denied going into the promised land. The reason why they were denied going in there was because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe God. And uh, they, I, I really believe with all my heart, part of the reason why they didn't have the faith they should have had was because they gave in to that complaining, that griping, that, that negative spirit. And uh, you can't have that and faith go hand in hand. The uh, Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to, to Acts chapter 20. Go to Acts 20. In Acts 20, Paul is getting ready to leave uh, Ephesus, and this is the last time he's going to see the Ephesian elders. And in verse 32, he tells them this. He says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. When he talks about building them up, he's talking about building them up in faith. The thing that's going to build your faith is spending time in this book. Giving up on a complaining, negative attitude and, and spending time in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to, to grow your faith. Go with me to, to, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Every time I read this passage, I think of uh, Brother Reuben Ewert, who has since gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, he often referenced Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 as, as verses for living the truth. And, and it, it really does point in that direction. In verse 9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. One of the things that we need to be in these last days is we need to be strong. You can't let your guard down. Uh, evil is all around us. I mean, you turn on a computer, you're going to see it. You turn on the television, you're going to see it. Uh, you, you go down the street, you're going to see it. Uh, it's just, it, it's more pervasive today than it's ever been in any time in my lifetime. Uh, you say, well, that, then that, that, makes, that makes this a terrible time to live. No, it makes it a great time to live because that means that our light can shine so bright so easily. But we, we need to stand guard, and we need to make sure we're strong. And when I say strong, I'm not talking about a physical strength. We need to be spiritually strong, and that means we need to be strong in faith. And we need to have that faith that can get us get us through these times and cause our light to shine brightly so that other people can see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. Uh, go with me to, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
2 Peter chapter 1. This is a, a passage of scripture that has been a real blessing to me and a real help to me. It's helped me understand some things. But it, it talks about the fact that, that uh, we, we need to, to uh, build our lives and the, 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 build, the first building block uh, that everything else is built upon is faith. In, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, go with me. I was going to start in verse 5, but let's back all the way up to verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, you are equipped. You have all that you need to not only survive, but to, but to thrive in the last days. You know, don't go moaning and groaning about how bad things are. Instead, be strong in the faith so that you can be the kind of testimony that God wants you to be during this time. It says, uh, uh, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And, and again, uh, there's, there is no excuse for us to fall into the cadence of the world. We ought to be different from the world. We ought to be separate from the world. But that will depend upon how strong you and I are in faith. I find it interesting in verse 3, it says, uh, uh, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. It, it, virtue speaks of, of uh, excellent character. Down in verse 5, and beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Uh, what he says there is, is that we ought to be constantly building. And where, where the building starts is it starts with faith. We need to be strong in faith. We need to be, be mighty in faith as individuals so that we can, we can further our growth by adding to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and so forth. I find it interesting, and I, I bring this up every time because I think it's so important. Uh, the next thing that we add to faith after we get saved is virtue. You've got to have some moral character. And God saved you so that you could be different than you were before you got saved. So that you could be different than the world that is practicing wickedness so that we might, we might have a life that stands out and is different for Jesus Christ. And it's in what this is when you follow through those, those uh, various building blocks and it starts with faith and then goes to virtue and then, then you add knowledge to that. And I believe it's in that order because the faith uh, gets you started and it gives you the trust in God. The virtue gives you the character so that you can handle the knowledge that you get. What I find happening today is that 
folks, right after they get saved, they, they try to amass to themselves all kinds of knowledge. Listen, if you don't have the character, you won't handle the knowledge. And you won't handle it properly. And rather than being a blessing to you, it'll end up being a hindrance. You've got to have virtue. But that virtue has to be built on a strong faith. Take your Bibles and turn with me to, to uh, 1 Peter. Just back up a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 5, and look down in verse 10. 1 Peter 5, 10. It says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. What God says is that uh, you're, you're going to, you're going to have some suffering. You're going to have some difficult times. God's going to put you through some stuff. And the strength comes after the suffering. And what we need to have is the right response to the suffering so that, so that on the other side of it, rather than being weaker, we can be stronger. What, what is required in order for us to respond properly to difficulties in life, to suffering? You've got to have faith. And that faith has got to be strong. And by the way, that's our responsibility. We're told to grow in faith. And we need to make sure that we're in the word of God, that we're practicing the word of God, that we're living the word of God so that we can grow in that strength. The second, second priority that he tells us about, if you go back with me to the book of Jude, Look, look in verse 20 again. Jude, verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The second thing we need to do is not only build up in faith, but, but pray. And pray under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John 14 and John 16, God gives us some descriptions of the Holy Spirit and of the, the ministry that, that uh, he is going to have when the Lord Jesus Christ, after the Lord Jesus Christ left, left this earth. And in John 14 and verse 26, John 14, 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So many times whenever I've read that, I've, I've thought pretty much purely and solely about the, uh, the fact that uh, he'll, he'll teach you the word of God. And I believe that that's true. He will. And that he'll bring things to your remembrance when you need those things. And I believe that's true as well. Um, I, I, I've, I've seen the Lord do that. Uh, I remember when I was really young uh, in the Lord. I wasn't even, I was only saved about six, seven months or so. And uh, I was talking one day uh, due to circumstances. I was talking to a, a Roman Catholic priest. I hadn't been saved for very long at all. I hadn't been in church. Uh, that was probably late September, early October 
1969, and I didn't start going back, I didn't really start going steadily to church until August of that same year. So I'd only been in church for really a few weeks. And um, uh, this, this, this man was, and I were having a conversation about eternal life. And of course, the, the, the Roman Catholic priest constantly wanted to put works into the thing and wanted to put baptism into the thing. So he went to John chapter 3 and tried to make that, that water, uh, born of water and born of the Spirit, meaning baptism and, and, and then trust in Christ. And uh, that's not what it's talking about at all. If you look at the context, you know that it's, that it's uh, talking about fleshly birth. Now, I wasn't real super familiar with that. And yet, God showed me that thing right in the middle of the conversation. And I made mention of that to him. Uh, in fact, before we even got there, he, he said, and I, I, had, I had read, not, not much, but I had read uh, John chapter 3 and knew about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And I can remember that priest saying, uh, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a place in the Gospels where Jesus talks to a religious man. Uh, um, his name was, uh, his name was, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember what, and I looked at him, I, like I said, I'd only been saved for less, about six months. I says, oh, uh, uh, Nicodemus? He said, yeah, 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 that's it, Nicodemus. And, and I'm thinking, you know, where did that come from? Well, I know where that came from. God gave that to me. I had had it, I had, I had known it, but I'd forgotten it. God brought it back to my remembrance. And that's usually what we think of. However, let me, let me just look at the spirit of God's ministry for just a minute in prayer. You know what he does? He brings things to your remembrance in prayer. While you're praying. Uh, all of, have you ever had this happen? Where all of a sudden you start thinking about, whether it's in prayer or maybe, maybe you're not even praying at the time. And God brings you know, some person or some group of people's name to your mind. And, uh, and, and you say, oh, I wonder why I'm thinking about them. It's probably the Spirit of God. And it's probably prompting you and trying to get you to pray for that, that person, that individual, that family, or whatever. Uh, that's one of the things that God does. Uh, the Spirit of God brings all things to our remembrance. And one, one of the times he does that is during the time of prayer. Go to chapter 16 and look, look with me down in verse, uh, verse 3. Chapter, let me see, uh, 13, excuse me. Chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll guide you into all truth. One of the ways he'll do that is he'll show you what to pray for. There are times when you ought to, you ought to just stop on the prayer list for a minute. And I'm, I'm all for prayer lists. I have no problem with that. I think you ought to have one to keep, to keep things in, in your remembrance. But there are times when you just stop from the prayer list and say, Okay, God, who do you want me to pray for today? Do you have that kind of a relationship with God? You ought to. And, and it's important that when we pray, we pray by the direction and the guidance of the Spirit of God. 
He wants to guide us and direct us not only into the truths of the Word of God as we read the Bible, but also guide us and direct us when it comes to prayer. Um, take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5. I love this passage of Scripture. I, I found this early in my Christian life, and I've oftentimes, when I, when I have the privilege of leading someone to Christ, I bring them back to this passage and show them what kind of power they have in prayer now that they're saved. In 1 John chapter 5, look down in verses 14 and 15. This is right after he gives the verse of assurance in verse 13 that you can know that you have eternal life. And then in verse 14, he says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Uh, what, what, what he's saying there is he's saying that you can, have, you can have absolute assurance in prayer that your prayers are listened to and that your prayers will be answered, but we need to pray according to his will. And the Spirit of God will lead you and to guide you uh, into, in, into what to pray and how to pray and what to ask for. Uh, go, go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. And this is a classic passage on this when it comes to prayer. Romans chapter 8 and verses 26 and 27. Speaking of the Spirit of God, it says, Likewise the Spirit, verse 26, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not only does he guide us and direct us in prayer, but he makes intercession. He helps us as we pray. And, and the important thing is, is that you're right with God and that you spend time in prayer. It's good to, to be built up in faith, and it's essential that we have strong faith. But part of the reason having that faith is so that we can have power in prayer, and we need to make sure that we're praying in the Holy Ghost. The, the third thing that we ought to be admonished about in being in the last days, go back with me to Jude and look in verse 21. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, Unto eternal life. The admonition there is keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you, how do, you do that? And you know, you say, well, I thought, I thought God loves us all the time once we're saved. Well, he does. But there's different levels of love. And uh, we're going to look at this here in just a minute. But over in John 15, it talks about we ought to abide in Christ. Now, if you're saved, you're already in Christ. But what he's saying is, you ought to stay close to him. You ought to stay close to him. And here what he's talking about is staying close to the love of God. Uh, go, to, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, look in verses 3 through 5 with me. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 3 through 5. It says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do 
the things which we command you, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Now, he's talking to saved people. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. And again, it's, 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 it's hooked with the last days when we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come. And the thing that he, he talks about prior to that is just simply being obedient, doing the things that please the Lord. The love of God and obedience are, are hooked together. Uh, go with me to John chapter 15, which is the chapter that in the beginning speaks about abiding in Christ. John chapter 15. And look down in verses 9 through 11. Now, the, the, the whole theme of this is abiding in him. Now, positionally, we are in Christ. When you trust Christ as, as Savior, you are in Jesus Christ. You, you, you are part of him. He places you into him. Uh, that, that's found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, we're placed into Christ at the moment of salvation. But, but, but notice here, he's talking about abiding. And uh, if you look with me, uh, look down in verses uh, 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Verse 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be filled. Um, what, what he's simply saying is, is we keep in love if we keep the commandments. As we are, as we are obedient to God, we, we remain and stay close to the love of God. Um, you think of this. Uh, in the, in uh, the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son uh, decided that he wasn't happy at home. And uh, so he went to dad and he asked him for early inheritance money. And so his father gave it to him. And so he took it and he left. And you know what he did? He left the love of his father. Now, did his father still love him? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But he didn't abide in that love. He could have if he just stayed home, but he didn't. He left. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that every single day that that father was looking and anticipating, hoping that his son would come back. Well, he went to a far country. He wasted his, his uh, inheritance on riotous living. He ended up in, the, uh, in a pig pen. Uh, slopping hogs and eating the slop. And uh, the Bible says he came to himself. I'm convinced that when a person wanders from God after they've been saved, uh, the answer is coming to yourself. It's waking up and realizing that, wait a minute, uh, this isn't right. I need to get back to God. And that's exactly what he did with the Father. He, he, he realized that he had sinned against heaven. He had, he had, sinned, he had uh, uh, trespassed against his father. And so he came back home. Did the father ever stop loving the son? Never. Oh, no, man, he was waiting for him. It says, when he saw him afar off, 
I believe he was anticipating his return. And uh, uh, when he saw him afar off, he ran and hugged him and kissed him. Boy, he, he, he never stopped loving him. But the son left the love of the father. And when he did that, he did that by going his own way and doing his own thing. And then eventually, when he came to himself, he returned. God says, listen, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you do that? You be obedient to him. And, and you love him back. And you get as close to God as you possibly can. Listen, during these last days, during the... You know, and we all know what's going on. We, we, all, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it every day. Can't hardly get together with somebody without talking about, did you see what happened here? Did you see what happened there? Did you see what, see what just happened in Washington? Uh, listen, we're surrounded by that stuff. Surrounded by it. But what's, what's important as far as our responsibilities? Keep in the love of God. Don't use the times as an excuse for your disobedience. God, God expects us to be obedient during, uh, during the, the times of sunlight. He's also expecting us to be obedient in the times of darkness. And uh, during these last days, it is so important that we stay obedient, stay in the love of, of God. Then go back with me to, to uh, Jude, and let's look at the, the last admonition, the last priority that we ought to keep. If you look in verse 21 again, it says, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Every single day we ought to look for mercy. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that his mercies are new and they're fresh every day and every morning. Uh, the world can only expect judgment. And that's what the world's going to get. According to God's timeline, after he takes the saints up uh, and the, the blessed hope returns for his own, uh, from that point on, you've got about seven years of tribulation on this earth. What does that mean? That means the, the wrath of God is coming down. And the world can only expect judgment. But as a Christian, the thing we ought to be looking for every single day is mercy. And we ought, we ought to be asking God to give us mercy. Uh, last night, we, we prayed in men's prayer meeting. And one of the things that, that, uh, that I spent a little time on was praying for our country. You know, uh, right now, uh, honestly, uh, I'm not so much praying for revival as much as I'm praying just for mercy right now, just mercy. Uh, and the greatest need that any of us have is, is mercy. When, when you got saved, the greatest thing you, you needed at salvation was mercy. You needed the mercy of God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you believed on Christ and trusted him as your savior, he gave you that mercy, which cleansed you from all your sin. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And all God's people said. I mean, we didn't. We didn't deserve a lick of it. And yet, and yet God gave it to us. Um, we, 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 we got mercy when we got saved. Now, today, we need to be looking for mercy to deliver us from this wicked world. There's a lot of wickedness around us. You don't want to be a part of it. You need God's mercy. And be conscious of the fact that you need mercy every day. 
one of the things that'll keep you straight is number one, the need for mercy, and number two, the fact that that, uh, you know that God has already shown you much mercy. The problem with that fellow over in Matthew chapter 18, you remember the guy that got forgiven of the huge large debt that he wanted more time to pay for, but the truth of the matter was he couldn't even pay for it in the time that, that, that he had left in life. And instead, although the word isn't used, what, the, what, the, what his Lord showed him was mercy, and he forgave the whole debt. Uh, when you realize that you're uh, a great recipient of mercy, one of the things it does is it makes you have a desire to be obedient. It strengthens your faith. It, it, uh, it, it helps you uh, uh, understand the importance of living for God on a day-by-day basis, and you become very, very grateful. Uh, that gratefulness comes in, and that gratefulness is also something that helps strengthen our faith. Now, now the truth of the matter is this. Time is running out. I mean, we are closer today than we've ever been. We're closer right now at this moment than we've ever been to the, to the blessed hope coming back to get us and for all that to take place. Uh, that's why it is absolutely imperative that we build up in faith, that we get prayed up in the Holy Spirit, that we, uh, that we love God and obey God, and that we ask God for mercy on a day-by-day basis. We, we live in a, in a pressure cooker. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Times around us are, 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 are tough. Uh, you know, one of the favorite sayings that you hear a lot of people say today is, oh, man, I'm stressed out. Why is that? Well, it's the pressure of the times. But here's, here's the thing. Why does God tell us to do all these things? Why does he tell us to be built up, prayed up, love God and obey, and ask God for mercy? Here's the reason. Go with me down to verses 22 and 23, and I'm done. It says in verse 22, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. The whole reason why we need to do those four things isn't for ourselves, but it's for others. So that we can be the kind of witness that God wants us to be. So that we can win people to Jesus Christ. That's the whole reason why we're being left down here and why he hasn't come already. Evidently, there's still some more time. There's still some more work to do. And we need to make sure that we're busy in the work. There's two kinds of people that, that, uh, that will get saved. They'll either get saved because of compassion or they'll get saved because of fear. I think I fell into the fear category. Um, I just did not want to go to hell. I, I, was, I was scared to death of spending eternity in hell. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the man that witnessed to us definitely had a lot of compassion. But those are the two approaches that God talks about. He says, some you'll you'll win just by being compassionate. Uh, Why? Because people are deluded, because people are hurting. And remember how you were before you got saved. And secondly, uh, some will get saved because of fear. Why? Because hell is real. Uh, it's a real place where real people go 
if they've not trusted Christ as Savior and if their sins are not forgiven. And, and uh, we have a responsibility, and our responsibility is to warn them. And, uh, it, it, you know, some, sometimes that warning has to be hard. Sometimes that warning has to be very firm. Uh, there were times when uh, the preacher that led me to Christ uh, had much compassion in his voice. There's other times when he was kind of rough. And, and uh, I can remember him talking about a classmate that, uh, that we knew that had murdered a guy. And uh, uh, as a result, this preacher went in to, to see this, this, this young man and led him to Christ in the jail. And I, I knew who he was talking about. His name was Paul. And uh, he said, now, according to what you guys have said, and I was sitting there with three other of my friends, my teenage friends, I was a senior in high school, and uh, he, said, he said, according to what you've told me, you've not trusted Christ as Savior. Paul has trusted Christ as Savior. He said, he said if, you, if Paul was to die today, he'd go straight to heaven because he's believed on Christ. If you were to die today, you'd go straight to hell. Now, that's tough. I don't think he'd like saying that, but you know what? I needed to hear that. I needed to have that fear of God put into me. And because of that, that, that night, I trusted Christ as Savior. Now, let me ask you this. What kind of witness are you? Are you one who is built up, prayed up, you love God, and you ask God for mercy, and you depend upon his mercy? That's the reason why we do those things, is so that we can be the kind of witness and be the kind of testimony and be the kind of light that Jesus Christ wants us to be. Why? Because these are the last days. This is the last, who knows? I mean, Christ could come in the next seven days. If, if he does come in the next seven, if he comes a week from today, we have one week left. Now, you say, yeah, but he probably won't. Yeah, and the Bible says in such an hour as you think not. <laughs> Doesn't it? Son of man cometh. What are you and I going to do in the meantime? We are the last generation. We are the last hope that some people have. It is so important that we fulfill those priorities in our lives, getting built up, prayed up, love God, obey God, and ask God for mercy so that we can be equipped to tell a lost and dying world that they need a Savior. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to pray. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if I could just ask you a question this morning, a very honest and very simple question. And it's just simply this. Do you know for sure, if you died today, that you go to heaven to be with the Lord? Can you look back to a time when you put all your faith and all your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know for sure that if you die today, you go to heaven because you've trusted him and him alone to forgive you all your sins and to give eternal life? If you know that for sure, wonder if with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you, if you just simply raise your hand as a testimony of that fact, say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know for sure if I die today, I go to heaven because I've trusted him as Savior. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and say, I don't know that for sure, and it bothers me. I'd like to get that thing settled. I'd like to know that my sins are forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven. There was a time when I wanted to know that for sure, 
And that's when I trusted Christ as Savior. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you don't know that for sure, you'd like to know and you'd like me to pray for you. I wonder if you just lift your hand up as a signification of the fact you're concerned about your own soul. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. All right? You're, you're here this morning. You're saved. Let me ask you, are you built up? How's your faith? Is it strong? Are you prayed up? Are you, are you spending time in prayer, and is it directed by the Spirit of God? Uh, do, do you, are, you, are you staying in the love of God, or have you wandered? You know, the love of God never quits, but sometimes we wander from it. And then do you, do you find yourself asking God for mercy and depending upon his mercy on a day-by-day basis? God's spoken to your heart about some of those things. I'd like to pray for you. Uh, there might be an, an issue that you're dealing with, something you need to take care of this morning. Uh, let me pray for you. Anyone like that here this morning? Say, Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me. I, I've got some things I'm dealing with right now, and uh, in those four areas, pray for me. All right, thank you. I see those hands. We'll put them down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the plainness of your word. We thank you for the times that we're living in. Uh, Lord, so many times we find ourselves, even about the times, just griping and complaining. And I understand there, there, wicked times and wicked things are not things to be thankful for, but you've put us here for such a time as this. We're here for a reason. And one of the reasons that we're here is to shine brightly as lights, but we need to make sure these priorities are true in our lives. I pray for anyone that might be on the sound of my voice right now that does not know Christ as Savior. May they understand, whether it be by compassion or by fear, may they get a hold of the fact that they're lost and that they need Christ, that they need forgiveness of sins. Pray, Father, for those that raise their hand saying that you spoke to their heart about some things this morning that they need to take care of. Lord, uh, one of the things I've found in this day and age, and I'm not using it as an excuse, but it's true, uh, because of the, the many things that are out there, it, it's, sometimes we find it very easy to drift. Help us not to drift. Help us to be steadfast, unmovable, and abounding in your strength and grace and love. We pray that you would work in this invitation. Have your will and way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.